Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. OutKick 360, just like that, the final hour is here on this Tuesday edition. If you missed John McClain earlier, you can always go find the podcast wherever you download your audio. Streaming live at OutKick.com and across the vast OutKick network on this great radio station. So Mike Garofolo has details of Jimmy Garoppolo's contract. Okay. $6.5 million fully guaranteed base, five hundred k total in per-game roster bonuses, twenty nine k per game active. So you would think he'd be dressed for all of the games, so that would get him to $7 million. 250,000 for each game he takes 25% or more of the offensive snaps. Another 100k for each of those games the team wins. So if he plays 25% of a game and they win, he gets 350k for that game. He wins game. a lot when he plays. 500,000 for one playoff game, he takes 50% or more of the snaps in. 500,000 for 50% or more of the offensive snaps in the conference championship game. 500,000 if he wins the conference championship game, 1 million if he takes 50% or more of the snaps in the Super Bowl. <laughs> so, in all, he ends Total up Total value 15.45 yeah, so, million. Okay, so in all he's it's about a 9 million dollar difference from what he was scheduled to make versus if he if he achieves all of these little you know, check uh, checks the boxes. Uh, this is what he, or he gets six million to do absolutely nothing for a fall and then rehab, rehab slash train, and then the, no trade clause, no no tag, no tag clause. clause, so they can't franchise tag him a year from now. They wouldn't do that, not with the money that's due to a quarterback. But still, he knows he's a free agent come March of next year. Hit us up on Twitter at Outkick three sixty. Roster cuts were finalized across the league or they had to be turned into the league uh, as of about an hour ago. Um, no massive surprises. Honestly, Paul, there's no massive surprises this time of year. Uh, maybe a veteran or two. Like a veteran like Logan Ryan in Tampa going into year number 10. He was cut. He was released today. Chances are, though, uh, because of his salary, and he's a vested vet, after week one, his contract is week to week, not locked in for the for the season. So chances are he's back on a roster by week two if he wants to continue to play. Um, you know, the big the big headline yesterday was Brett Kern was released by the Titans. They're going with an undrafted uh, kicker. Surprised you haven't Stonehouse. heard already uh, about somebody. I mean, he didn't have to clear waivers. So it's surprising that you haven't heard um, well, I about think, him connected with somebody already. I think the – if – if I'm right, yeah, I, I think I'm right. So they saved money on the cap by cutting him, right? Like two million or something. Yeah, two point two million, I think. 
But he also had some guarantees that he's getting within this 12-month span whenever he restructured his contract this year, earlier this offseason. So he's getting roughly a million bucks to not play. So if you're another team, you've got to make it worth his while to go play, right? Because he can sit and take that check that's paid out over a certain amount of time. Was it offset or On not? the restructure. Um, that's a good question. I don't know about don't that. Don't know that for but sure. But that's why that's why a veteran like that's why a veteran restructures to quote unquote help the team cap. He's making money up front on doing that. He's getting paid some way, and Kern would have would have been paid some type of of amount in order to to do that. So my my guess is you've got to come with a, a decent offer for him that's probably close to what he was making here, if you're going to get him out of the the family dynamic that he has here in Nashville to go to Buffalo or go to uh, Denver or wherever. He indicated he wouldn't be relocating his family. He would be commuting. That's why I think Indianapolis would be intriguing because he could, you know, drive home pretty quickly on his time off. Or Buffalo, where I imagine he so, still has family. So that, that, that's why I brought up Buffalo. So if you're Buffalo, I'm glad you mentioned them because I would have forgot to add this on. If you're the Bills who don't punt that often, do you want a, do you want a $2.5 million punter? Or do you want a million-dollar guy who you can try to develop? Yeah, right? so, like it's that, a fair question. But, I mean, if you're Buffalo and you're on the verge of going to the Super Bowl, do you want a punter oh, that could no. cough and corner it and, and put you inside the five? Well, Pretty consistently on I mean, the, you, on the occasions that you need to punt. I I'm with you. Um, Titans I'm, cuts are in the okay. rest of them. Just most notable, Des Fitzpatrick does not make it. Looks like they kept five wide receivers because uh, they cut everybody I could think of here. Chris Jackson out. Theo Jackson, sixth round draft pick out of UT, uh, defensive back out. Um, uh, so Larell Murchison, former out. draft pick. Theo Jackson also cut, right? Yes. And um, Logan Woodside, out. Waved injured Tommy Hudson. They only have, I think, three tight ends unless I'm missing somebody. Did they cut David Wells? David Wells, Then they have three. Yeah. Yeah. They have three I think they need another tight end. That's a top shopping item for me. We've talked a lot about how much two tight end they'll run. I think it's dangerous to only be carrying three tight ends when you're running that much two tight end. Which I think they're going to run. Todd and they only have five wide receivers. So you know, they're thin at both positions, no matter how much they're running. They need a wide receiver yeah. and a tight end. Uh, and, and listen, this team at the combine was talking about needing to get better on the offensive line and at wide receiver. They're not better at either position no. based on what, the, what they've done. So that's a fail by John Robinson to this point. Now, can they do something with waiver wire pickups? They've already made a trade um, for this offensive lineman from Carolina who, you know, Blake Bettingfield, the longtime Titan scout who writes for my site, says is a Ty Sambrilo, Kendall Lamb type. Well, Ty Sambrilo at his best was was a pretty functional swing guy. Kendall Lamb was not. Um, So, you know, hopefully they see something in the guy that says they can bring him in here and polish him up, and he could be a good swing guy. So, Doesn't express much faith to me in Dylan Radins or Jamarco Jones as a tackle. Uh, so who's the who, – sorry, Paul. Who's the surprise – who's making this roster? Daniel, um, the uh, the extra outside linebacker, Anini. Oh, Anini. Anini. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. no, he's waived. I'm sorry. 
He's waived. That's a surprise to me. I thought he was going to make it, and I think yeah. he's a guy that's got a chance to get claimed. He had, if you sack the quarterback in the preseason, you become a he commodity. Had, he had three sacks in the preseason. So I'm surprised. He was noticed. Let's go through the list real quick. Uh, Anini out. Trent, Trenton Cannon, the running back, out. Adrian Colbert, the safety out. Christian Deloro out. Des Fitzpatrick out. Jack Gibbons, who uh, they liked as an inside linebacker. He'll be a practice squatter for sure. Des Fitzpatrick. Uh, Tyree Gillespie, who uh, they traded for conditionally, so he won't cost them anything. Cody Hollister, Hayden Howerton, the offensive lineman. Chris Jackson, Theo Jackson, Joe Jones, another guy I thought had a chance. Kern, Kinsey, the wide receiver. Greg Maben, the defensive back. Jalen McKenzie, offensive lineman, I think they like as a practice squatter. Uh, Larell Murchison, who had just faded. Xavier Newman-Johnson. Thomas Odukoya the tight end who was a freebie, I think, uh, because he's international. Uh, Sam O, the defensive lineman, he might be the international. Jordan Peavy, Reggie Roberson, Jordan Roos, Andrew Rupsich, Trey Swilling, David Wells, Logan Woodside, Willie Wright, and Tommy Hudson waved injured. So who's made it? That's a good question. It's always hard to put that together. I'm thinking. Well, I, I, that's what uh, I'm doing right now. So. Uh, so, uh, Julius Chestnut's made the roster. Julius Chestnut's made the roster. And so has Trey Avery. Trey Avery, uh, yeah, and he's pretty good. He's been pretty good. I, uh, again, I didn't hear you name him. No, I didn't. And the back-end safeties, um, so the most recent trade, the other Overton guy. Um, oh, Ugo Amadi. Ugo Amadi. Yeah, who was with who the was Eagles good. for like two days. Yeah. So he got traded twice, but he's, he's landed from Seattle, in, the, in the league to yeah, Philadelphia. Seattle, Philadelphia, Tennessee within 10, 10 days. days. Uh, and I think he's a good player. Um, um, Lonnie Johnson. Lonnie Johnson's made it. And uh, the other safety um, who's been here before and was away for a year, Kalu, has made it. he was it. banged up. Josh Kalu. Okay. Yeah, Lonnie Avery, Johnson. Avery's the big upset guy avery yeah. and uh julius chestnut trey avery's interesting because he he fights man he is a he's a cover guy like that he defends his play i don't care who you're playing as long as you do your job in the preseason like a quarterback where we're very critical on like well who's kenny pickett playing against versus what trubisky's doing I just want the guy to, that's running the offense to go out and execute the offense, to operate the offense. And that's how I would judge uh, any player, really, that's on an island. Uh, Trey Avery, who comes in and is uh, third or fourth string to start camp, ends up making the roster because he covered his man better than some of these other guys, some of these former draft picks by the, by the Titans. And they made the right call on Logan Woodside. I'm glad they're not trying to hold him for a couple days and then – pushing him he's going to be on the practice squad uh i would imagine so yeah hit us up on twitter at outkick 360 um baker mayfield this is this is the college baker coming out here with the comments we've got the quote uh he has a strong message for former teammates cynthia freeland on around the nfl podcast said baker said quote i'm gonna f them up <laughs> talking about well, his former team. This sounds like Oklahoma Sooners Baker Mayfield to me. Planting the flag at the 50-yard line type guy. I'm I'm intrigued to watch this guy play week one. Panthers-Browns just went up a notch based on the trade itself, but knowing 
that he was kicked to the curb and knowing that Cleveland's paying $10 million of his salary this year. There, there, I bet there, uh, Davey, I don't know if you can find this real quick. And if you can't, that's fine. I bet there's around $70 million in quarterback money alone between these two franchises on week one. With the Browns paying most of it. Yes. The combined salaries for all their quarterbacks, if you add it, I bet there's at least 65 to 70 million. I'm trying to do the math in my head on what Deshaun Watson was getting, which was 48, Darnold's 47. 18. Yeah. Uh, Baker's getting 18. I mean, they, and then you've now got Baker Brissette. came down from 18. Yeah, but the Browns are paying 10 of it. But he came down, um, they're pay, they may be paying 10, but he came off the 18. Oh, he took a $3 million cut. So yeah. he, he was down at 15 or 14. Yeah. But still, the amount of money for the quarterback play that we're, t- we're discussing, uh, it's kind of crazy. And we won't see uh, high-quality quarterback play because Well, we may Brissette see from Baker. Started. Baker, um, he lowered his shoulder again in the preseason. Yeah, game. I heard. You guys said that the other day. And it was They've got to get that out of him. Pretty early on, too. And it, was, uh, it wasn't anything like he threw a pick and then you know he's trying to recover against, the, against Houston and goes over to try to make a tackle. It wasn't like that. He's just running out. He's running out of bounds full speed. And he just tucks the ball away, and he dips his shoulder and makes contact with the defensive back. The defensive back then hits the deck because he's trying to slow up and not hit Baker Mayfield. And then as they're walking, they're getting up and going back to the huddle, Baker goes over to him and like, shakes his hand like, apologies. Like, I didn't mean to like, you know, knock you five yards further than what you expected there. And I'm thinking, man, what are you doing? You, you – um you have to, in some way, shape, or form, talk to him and say, yeah. there's P.J. Walker over there. We really like P.J. Walker. We really like him backing you up. We don't want to play him. And you've got to stop doing it. It's an admirable trait. But it's an admirable trait we don't want you putting on display. Uh, you know, you could say to me, look, you could eat three hot pretzels. And <laughs> that's an impressive thing to watch, but it's not good for you. And it's not good for your family. So we don't want to see you do it. CBS put together a good list here, the, uh, the preseason standouts from the top 10 from the draft, going through game by game, who stood out, who disappointed, who surprised. And we'll just go through the picks here. Trayvon Walker, I haven't heard a thing about him all preseason. No. Number one overall pick. Well, the, 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 you heard about him at the Hall of Fame game. Well, he, had he a made sack. a play yeah, on the fair. first that's play. Fair. It was a rough they had the extra game. And they talked about him in that game. Since then, we well, haven't and heard he had his first, he had his first sack there. He had three pressures in two preseason outings. And he flashed as a – this is what CBS says. He flashed as a force against the run. That's not why I'm drafting Trayvon Walker number one overall. Flashed against the run. Uh, number two overall pick, Aiden Hutchinson, I think is probably the w- most well-known of the top ten based on hard knocks, right? Um, we haven't seen much of him, uh, but we did uh, see him a bit in that season preseason finale against the Steelers. And in the first game where he, he was given a few snaps, he looked pretty good. I think they, they have to be happy there. Derek Stingley is among a list of rookies in Houston that are outperforming the vets. LSU corner who at one point was the number one recruit and he's got all this hype. And then last year fell off a bit with LSU gets hurt, ends up taking the surgery, doesn't finish the season, but the year prior didn't live up to the, 
the SEC expectations. But early on at LSU was phenomenal. And he's been everything and some in camp so far. Uh, he allowed just one reception in his target area, according to Pro Football Focus. And he covered receivers in man and zone, had a pass breakup, very tight coverage. Quarterbacks rarely threw his way. That's perfect. Yeah, that's exactly that's what you want to hear. Same for Sauce Gardner with the Jets, picked fourth. Um, not targeted at all in the preseason. I take that one of two ways, Paul. It's either good or bad, right? I lean toward that being a good thing because Gardner on an island in the preseason where you're not game planning, you're going to the open route, you're going through your progressions, he's playing the outside spot, and so any quarterback that's in there with him is going to throw his way regardless of if Sauce Gardner's lined up over there or not. I don't think they're game planning against him. Um, so for the limited snaps he played, that's I think a that's great a, review. a great sign. Kayvon Thibodeau, I think, had a great preseason given the fact that he avoided serious injury on that low hit to his knee. Very Let's, fortunate. Equanu uh, with the Panthers. Um, CBS says, expected. it was an expected preseason from Equanu, who on film at NC State was a Mack truck in the run game, mostly good but not spectacular in pass protection. That is precisely how he played in the preseason. Evan Neal Sounds just fine. with the Giants uh, did not play in the final preseason game. Otherwise, solid start, yet far from dominant. Um, and he moves exceptionally well for a human with his size and heavy frame. Again, nothing to be concerned about there. I think that's great. Charles Cross is the same way. He had a – I remember him being the headlines because he had a shaky um, – I don't know if it's the first or the second preseason game, but apparently that was a blip on the radar and – He's one of the bright spots for an offensive line that drastically needed to be overhauled. He is a solution, not a problem. And finally, uh, Garrett Wilson, wide receiver to the Jets, six catches for 53 yards is his stat line. Did not hear a great deal about him. And Yeah, and you know he did not have, to his credit, I'm just trying to think through why, he's playing with Flacco and not Zach Wilson. So I don't know if that factors in or not, but it that doesn't that doesn't look like a very good start for for Garrett Wilson. Chris Olave, uh, by the way, Heard a lot more I'm just going to go one more notch down. Five total targets. That's all he saw in preseason work. But apparently during joint practices, put on a show. But at, you heard a lot about Olave too. Uh, big big reviews. A lot of talk from Dennis Allen. Um. Paul, your thoughts overall of Traylon Burks while we're, we're talking first-round wide receivers. His, his overall stat line, uh, four catches, 37 yards, but he did have a touchdown this past weekend. Um, look, he's, he's too inconsistent, too up and down, disappeared for a couple of injuries that seemed minor. Uh, it was good that he came back from the wrist in the last preseason game. I said this, and I got bashed for it, Hutton. It's just unbelievable the things you get bashed for. The touchdown from Malik Willis, I think it was 16 yards. Sounds right. In the, in the preseason finale, where Willis really dropped down to deliver a sidearm ball. Mm-hmm. Burks was crossing. Under the arm of the defender. Crossing left to right, and he was going into clear space. But he caught it on a crosser and turned upfield. There was nobody near him. But he kicked into a sprint and then hopped across the goal line. And I tweeted, 
it was reminiscent of a lot of A.J. Brown catches, which to me is a good thing. You drafted the guy in part to replace A.J. Brown. People are hammering me. Why are you bringing up A.J. Brown? Let go of A.J. Brown. I thought this was a positive thing. Traylon Burks is here in Nashville in part to take up some of what A.J. Brown can do. This offense has not shown explosive qualities. And that was an explosive play, even though there were no defenders there. That's no there. negative knock on that. That was a, Come a, on. a praise. It was praise. We should be comparing him to A.J. Brown. They chose him to after replace trading A.J. Brown. Brown. So I thought that play, didn't you? It looked, uh, it yeah. was an A.J. Brown-like play. A.J. Brown's made that play a well, bunch. He scored, uh, uh, you know, 10 touchdowns at least on I, that play. I, here's... This is how I'm going to go about judging Traylon Burks. It's not quantity as much as it is the quality of play on a consistent basis that A.J. was bringing to this offense. Meaning, A.J. Brown came up with some game-changing plays. Absolutely. And that game-changing play could be in the second quarter of a 6-3 ball game where you just have to get something going. You, have to, you need a spark offensively. And he catches a 50-yard bomb. Uh, in double coverage down the sideline on a terrible throw. Like, just uh, for example. But at the same time, late in the game, he's coming up with a down-the-sideline, one-handed, tipping it back to himself, keeping his feet inbounds catch. He's catching a pass, diving into the end zone. He's catching a pass at the 11-yard line in Baltimore, turning up field and carrying defenders into the end zone. Not every catch for him put points on the scoreboard, but he had catches that led to points on scoreboards uh, across the league for the Titans. They won games um, not solely due to him, but in large part due to the bulk yardage, the explosive plays that he provided that the elite guys do on a consistent basis. And you can make the argument he was right below that elite status, and that's fair. But that's where Traylon Burks needs to get to. A.J. Brown was a 1,000-yard receiver his rookie year. So, you know, is Traylon Burks a 700-yard guy or is he a 1,000-yard guy? I can't tell you that yet. I, I feel like we kind of knew the swagger of A.J. Brown his rookie season coming in with, with Corey Davis. I can't pinpoint a range of what I expect from Traylon Burks, but it doesn't have to be quantity of yards or catches. He needs to have a significant impact Moments. in – the moment, yeah, and I phrased that earlier, like the the uh, last week or the week prior, like the big moments. Uh, the, he's got to have those because he, it's him and Woods, and then there's a drop off on the moment, guys. I don't think he's going to start against the Giants. Well, I expect uh, Nick Westbrook Akine yeah. to start opposite Woods. I expect Kyle Phillips to be the slot guy, and I think Traylon Burks will be the fourth guy in that mix. Well, How much will they give him? How frustrated will they get when he makes a mistake? And, and how quickly will well, they give him the hook? These are all questions. How, how specifically will they shape something for him in the context of that game? I think they're reluctant to do that, right? They want guys to know their stuff as opposed to like being like, here's a little morsel for you that we'll give you. I think they need to be more willing to do that. Not a little morsel, but no, right more now. willing to well, say, like, hey, you me, don't know the whole route tree. You didn't run the whole route tree at Arkansas. We've got to give you something limited and work with it. They need to be willing to do that. Well, yes. Um, I would also say 
I, so you're, as you're saying that, I'm thinking of two specific plays. Second play of training camp, deep ball, trailing Burks. That he sprawled for. He makes a catch. First series against the Bucks, deep ball, trailing Burks. They need to make sure they're giving those opportunities to him. And we've complained about this with this team in the past. They didn't manufacture touches for A.J. Brown, and A.J. Brown was elite. Yeah. Are they going to manufacture touches for Traylon Burks early when he's far from elite, when but, he's unknown? But he's no A.J. Brown. Like, he's right. – he, based on your description and what I've seen too, I mean, he's just a role player that has a chance to elevate to a number one guy. Nick Westbrook-Akeen is a role player who is a role player. Like but he's steady in his role. Right. But, but you've got Burks who has the opportunity to be a true number one option in an offense. I, I see that in him. But the, nothing consistent. And that's where they've got to build to. I don't hate the fact that, oh, he's not, he's not going to be starting you know, the first series against the Giants. He needs to be in on one of those three plays. Here's my right? – like there, there needs to be a progression of how he works into the offense. And here's my fear where you say the word elevate, which is a key word. I've said for a long time, and last year in particular, when the Titans were suffering at wide receiver with all of the injuries, mm-hmm. Ryan Tannehill has not elevated anyone. Name the receiver who he's made better. The receivers have made him better. A.J. Brown made him better. But there's no receiver on the list of receivers that he's thrown to, or tight ends, weaponry, that he's thrown to since he's taken over. And he's done a lot of good work. But there's no wide receiver that he's taken from being uh, an average guy to a better-than-average guy, or a better-than-average guy to a great guy, or anything. There's no guy that you can name from the slew of guys that he's worked with since the middle of 2019 that Ryan Tannehill has made better. And that's one of the qualities that has made substantially better. That's one of the qualities that quarterbacks better than Ryan Tannehill, who's a middle-of-the-pack quarterback, have. And they do If you're a top-ten quarterback, you elevate pass catchers. Ryan Tannehill doesn't. And they don't always have the perfect offensive line in front of them. Exactly. And that, that Out of a situation, they put a ball somewhere that a guy goes and gets, and you say, whoa, he's making yeah. that receiver, putting him in situations where he's doing things beyond what he usually does. And we haven't said that about Ryan Tannehill hardly ever. Coming up, we will switch gears, and we focus on the SEC. Our final team in our daily SEC spotlight leading up to kickoff of the college football season the Tennessee Volunteers. We discuss Josh Heupel in year two with Hendon Hooker, Hendon Hooker in year two and what it means for the Vols and what is at stake for Tennessee and the SEC East. We preview the Vols next on Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick network. Glad you're with us. With Paul Koharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton. Chad will be back with us tomorrow. Uh, we're continuing our series in our SEC spotlight. It concludes, I don't even know if we really planned it this way, 
Um, we knew that Tennessee was opening up on Thursday. By the way, we'll be in Knoxville live for our college football preview shows both Thursday and Friday right here for 360. Um, hope you'll join us for that as we'll go through on Thursday a lot of the SEC topics and Friday get you set for all of the kickoffs across college football. Tennessee, of course, kicking off against Ball State. And that's where we will begin our final SEC spotlight on the Tennessee Volunteers. Hendon Hooker threw for 31 passing touchdowns in 2021. The record is 36, set by Peyton Manning in 97. Considering that he came off the bench and he only threw three interceptions last season, Will Hooker break the school record of 36 passing touchdowns this season in the Josh Heupel offense? It's a stat that is not discussed often enough. Um, and I say often enough because the, the Vols have not been able to have a quarterback worthy of this discussion in the preseason in quite some time. You know, we weren't saying anything like this with Garantano, for instance. This guy can do it. And... His, his accuracy should improve. His overall knowledge of the offense has to be better. He is the bona fide leader of the team. And he's coming off a year where he threw for 31-3. and three. I think he can do it. I think he can do it, too. I mean, he's only five off in the first year of the, of the system. And, um, you know, I, I think some people will be kind of like um, – they were when Roger Maris was uh, getting Babe Ruth's record. Not not to put this one in in that category, but against it because you're threatening uh, an all time great. Right. And you'd put a an asterisk on this one. Not not the way they were doing with Maris, but the pace of play here is is the key to that. Um, if you went and and looked at how many possessions Peyton had to get to 35 as compared to how many possessions Hooker will have to get to 36 if he gets there, um, the two won't be comparable. But with the pace of play that they're going to, to have, where I think they'll be faster and uh, even faster than last year and um, have even more chances to score passing touchdowns, I, I think it's completely in play. Yeah, and, and the other thing, too, is you, you'd have to assume he's not getting banged up throughout the season because he is mobile. I mean, he's going to move. Um, he got hurt against Ole Miss, for instance, and we saw Joe Milton come in and com commit malpractice on that play clock and the game clock. But I, I, I say yes. I think he sets the new Vols passing touchdown record this season based on the, the, the pace of the offense and the expectations I have for it. Because I, 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 I'm curious about how defenses will go about adjusting to Josh Heupel's system now that they've played against it, now that they've had a year to try to get a grasp on it and what they're trying to do. and But, Paul, as you well know, if you get the right quarterback running the right system, it really – I mean, good offense beats good defense. I, and, I, and I think this is a version of that for Tennessee. They averaged, what, 475 and 39 points last year. And that's without hitting 30 points against Georgia, Bama, Ole Miss, and Florida – um, with a really bad game against Florida, right? Um, yeah, they really – You know, so they, you would they, expect they, them to be better. They were able to trampoline off of the Florida loss. when That's when Hooker came in for Milton and went for – the following week is when they put up 63 against 
Missouri. You would expect them to be better. Uh, first off, they don't have the Milton games. Secondly, yeah. uh, you would expect them to be better against their best competition, even though maybe they don't beat that competition. Maybe, yeah. More, more competitive, uh, more successful at what they do best second time around. So, uh, you know, you have to have a good feeling about their offense, two good receivers, two good tight ends, places for him to spread the ball around. Um, and, uh, you know, they let 44 sacks last year, which yeah. is really bad. Uh, can they tighten that up? That's, that's another place. You know, if you get that down to 30, even 28, um, there are more opportunities for him to, to make some plays. A couple of games last year where they had opportunities to get nine wins. They seven and five is their final record. I think they get to nine this year. I'm, I'm going nine and three, uh, simply because I think they're getting over the Pittsburgh hump. You know, that's a game they could have won, should have won. Many would say, Ole Miss is a back and forth game where again they're in the mix there and they were in control of bits and pieces of that until they weren't, until you know mustard bottles started here hitting the 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 turf. So. I, I think they're getting to nine. I am hesitant to go above that, though. I know there are some fans that are on board with this offense to the point where they think they're getting 10. But, Paul, the, the hesitation I have has nothing to do with the offense. It's the defense. We've talked with Austin Price and Brent Hubbs at length about this this offseason, about is Tennessee, are they capable of getting two or three extra stops per game? than what they were doing a year ago, where you know it's a fast break for both offenses, not just the Tennessee offense. The only difference is the other offense is taking a bit more time off the clock to go score. I, I, I know they're deeper. I don't know if deeper necessarily means better, top to bottom. And I think they're, for an SEC secondary, I think they're exceptionally slow in the secondary. That's not good. So I think they're going to give up some points. I'm I'm saying based on my prediction, though, I think they're outscoring two more opponents than what they did a year ago to get to nine wins. And I we could see them playing in New Orleans, for instance, in the in the Ole Miss spot at the Sugar Bowl. Well, what you point out about two of the losses: no Kenny Pickett, no Matt Corral. Those make big differences in in those two opponents. My concern. And it's hard to find fault with what they do offensively, but there is an automatic built-in fault. When you go so fast on offense, mm -hmm. you lose time of possession. And when you lose time of possession, as big as they lose time of possession, your defense, which is not that good to start with, is then asked, and you're talking about getting off the field. They need to get off the field more because otherwise they're dying of exhaustion. <laughs> And you're asking them to well, be on the field a lot. A great example of that is the Alabama game last year. It is a tight game going into the fourth quarter. And Alabama was for the taking a few times, four or five times last year, uh, just throughout second halves. Now, they're good enough to overcome some, some tough moments and good enough to overcome their own, own mistakes. Tennessee wasn't. Tennessee had a turnover. They're down seven, and they're trying to match Bryce Young and Alabama's offense. And they had a turnover, and that was the ball game. Because then Alabama went up two scores, and that was it. Because you're not going to be able to catch that based on the defense that was on the field for Can't Tennessee a year ago against that offense. Second worst SEC defense on third down. So I, I'm with you. The biggest thing on defense 
you got to be better on third down. You got to stop, stop the other team, get the ball back for your high-powered, fast-paced offense. Um, and that high-powered offense then has to turn that into – it's not going to eat clock. Well, it's going to score points. I've joked with Josh Heupel twice about this. You know, it first was here in person and then on, on SEC uh, media days. I was like, be honest with me. Like, do you actually practice a four-minute offense? Because you don't use it. Like, it, sometimes a slower pace can be really good. They, there were a couple – they scored way too early late in the fourth quarter against Pitt last year, for instance, where if you just, if you just take your time, you're running another minute and a half off the clock. Even if you're not coming with points, running time off the clock is points in your favor your if you're trying to protect a lead late in the game with a, a team with two timeouts. Point being, I, I think with the, when, the, when he's asked the question, hey, can the offense be more efficient? Can the offense be better? I think they can be better by actually not going as fast in some, in some cases. There are times in the fourth quarter where it's okay that you don't have to get to the line and snap the football and just run to the line. The time can be on your side, and he knows that. I'm not telling him. I'm not smarter than Josh Heupel here. But I, last year I felt like there were a few, a few games where, man, if you just slow down a, just, a, just an instant, you're going to help yourself with an extra 30 seconds milked because the other team's not taking timeouts yet. They have to beat Florida, right? They're going to be 3-1 uh, yeah. and one or 4-0 and oh if they beat Florida. If you lose to Pitt and you're 3-1 and one beating Florida – All's You're okay. fine. All's okay. But, but then you've got LSU, Bama, Kentucky at Georgia. Right. That is a damn gauntlet. And if, and you, if you're two and two going right, into that, right. you're doomed. Yeah. If you lose to Pitt and Florida, you're, trouble. you're looking at more of a record that we saw last year, unless you pull the big upset, which we did not see last year, which would have been Alabama, Georgia. Right. And they scored more points at the time. They put up more points against Alabama, or excuse me, Georgia's defense offensively 17 and um against alabama they they played them tight until they could no longer return serve so tennessee's good how good we'll know by the end of next month we'll know by the end of september when they play Pitt in two weeks or 10 days no yeah two weeks and then they play um uh, florida florida before the the end of the first month two good games there Get, get it done in both of those, and you're really cooking. Um, crazy story with Calvin Ridley that doesn't involve sports gambling, sports betting. We'll have that for you on the other side. But speaking of really good games and a, a great way to wager on games, we've got DraftKings, Bills and Rams, up seven early win. Go up a touchdown and get paid immediately. Win your money line bet if your team leads by at least seven points at any time, even if they lose the game. The quick terms here through DraftKings, uh, if you're using the mobile app, just update your DraftKings Sportsbook app to the version uh, 3.35 or greater. You opt in to receive uh, the one up seven early win token. Hopefully people on the screen are seeing this too. Uh, place a, a pregame paid money line bet. And if your team leads by at least seven points at any time of the game, your bet wins. Your bet's going to be settled as a winner when your team goes up seven or more points in that game. To learn more, just visit DraftKings or download the DraftKings app. More without Kick360 next. You ready? Showtime. 
On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Oh, kick 360 rolls on. Falcons wide receiver Calvin Ridley. So he's out on suspension, suspended indefinitely, at least for this season, because of uh, violating the league's gambling policy. He was uh, apparently targeted by a street gang in Atlanta. It was him and other athletes and entertainers in the Atlanta area. So 26 people were charged for violating Georgia's anti-gang and racketeering laws. And the homes of Ridley, Mariah Carey, Atlanta United uh, goalkeeper, goalkeeper uh, Brad, is it Guzan? Guzan, yeah. Marlo Hampton of the Real Housewives of Atlanta. Um, all of their homes were broken into. And it's all based on... According to the indictment, they're thinking like they showed off whatever they may have in their homes somehow on social media, and they became a target of this street gang. That's crazy. I saw saw the Mariah Carey piece of this, Uh, but it's pretty intricate, pretty thorough, uh, and a lot of targets. It would scare me to death if I was an Atlanta celebrity who had shown off my stuff. Um, I wonder if, if, if... there was a celebrity community kind of uh, conversation going on. Like, hey, look out. Yeah. Or, yeah, be, I mean, be somehow about they're finding out where you social. live. Yeah. Uh, the Yankees are set to buy a stake in AC Milan. Does that move the needle for you at all, Paul? If they get a good American on that team, I, I might pay some attention. But I'm married to the Premier League in terms of its visibility in America. And uh, Malik Willis is officially the Titans' backup quarterback. I, we got a good sense of that this past week um, when he played all but the final series. Logan Woodside uh, released today. And what was a training camp? I mean, that was a legitimate battle throughout the month of August where Willis ends up winning it uh, based on the way he continued to stair-step his progression. He, it he was his to win week. or lose, though. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. really Woodside didn't have a chance to do much based on how few snaps he got both in the preseason and at practice, where he really yeah. had fewer and fewer chances. They, they skipped right over him a lot and increasingly. I think he'll be back on the practice squad, pr- presuming he, he's not taken by anybody, and I don't think he will be. Um, and the Titans have some holes now. They're thin at inside linebacker. Um, they're thin, I think, too thin with four tight ends. Uh, with three tight ends, they need a fourth. Um, they only have five wide receivers, so um, some adjustments this, still to be done. And they have five running backs, which is one too many. Yeah. Julius Chestnut is one of their best 53, I would agree. This is an example of all 31 other teams as well. The, the 53-man roster that, will, that you will read whenever you get home from work today is going to train, uh, change drastically by the time they kick off week one. 
yeah. either through waiver wire or they're trying to sneak a guy through, and we'll briefly explain, you don't let a guy go initially because there's this, this less than 24-hour waiver claim where teams will now begin to put together their practice squads. They may, I'll use Chestnut as an example, they may waive him later, and I, I don't know if they will, um, trying to get him through after teams have already made their determinations on 53 and on practice 16. squad. Yeah. So, so then you're more likely to get him back on your practice squad. In theory, that's, that's, it doesn't always work in your favor, but you can try to protect a player by keeping them on initially. Once you do your 16 practice squad, then you kind of feel like, all right, we've got our group. Yeah. And, you know, if a guy comes free next Wednesday – you're a little bit less likely to say, all right, let's mess up our group and change the, it. Man, the other thing is he can, uh, Robinson continues to tinker at tackle and in the, in the uh, secondary. I don't think he's satisfied at all with this. I two think spots. the secondary feels like a success now. They got Lonnie Johnson, they got uh, Amadi and Trey Avery. I feel good about those two but guys. I, I don't feel good don't about, feel the, about the back Lonnie end Johnson. offensive line. Lonnie Johnson, if he has to play, is not good i think he's on the roster because he can play safety and corner right that's the difference between him and gillespie yeah gillespie didn't show much and his ticket was punched already it seemed like before that game because he was the very last safety in and he played late and only late back at it tomorrow the wednesday edition full of nfl headlines armando salguero will join us primary complaint and much more Join us for Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network. Don't block the box, and please, please lock your lock.